diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery uh, Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I'm going to be your host today. I'm very excited today. Um, I've had a fantastic day. The week is building up like I couldn't believe, and I have a great speaker today. Um, a few weeks back, um, uh, Ryan Hampton came through with Mobilize Recovery. Um, and I love Ryan Hampton. I'm a big supporter of his. He'll be on in November. Um, and I got to see, um, and I prefer Priscilla. So she said that I could call her that. And I got the chance to hear Priscilla tell some of her story. And I was very, very moved. Um, and I thought to myself, there's a speaker for my podcast. And you guys know, you guys know how I work. I pick, I, I tend to pick my people. Um, I should really watch my peas here. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> and since then, we've kind of gotten to know each other. She's going to come down to detox shadow with me. But really, it's about all of us coming in and working together. It is a WE program. Um, I'm very excited to see this new generation coming on and, and taking over. It's fantastic. Um, I could sit here and gab on this for 20 minutes alone, but this isn't my show. I'm going to turn it over to the to the real person's show, and, and that is Priscilla. Priscilla, welcome to Raw Recovery. Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy to be here today and just have this opportunity to share my story this way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, let's. I could probably take you back to where it all kind of started. Um, right? I come from a very long line of addicts. My mother um was addicted to the crack uh, addicted to crack during that whole epidemic of crack in the 90s yep. um that was her doc yeah. uh my grandma my grandpa um okay. they actually sold drugs um and my mom used to say that she learned to count by counting white crosses wow i don't know if you remember I what those what, are i know yeah. what white crosses are yeah. <laughs> and so that's how she maybe we should tell count. the audience though maybe some of them don't know what white crosses are. um well from what my mom told me they're they were pills that truck drivers used to take to yep. stay up so yeah it's kind of like adderall yeah it's a yeah. stimulant yep and so you know that's how she learned how to count that was her life growing up that's what she learned to do and eventually that's what i learned to do you know um I started experimenting and partying as a teenager. Of course, you know, my mom was using, I talked to adore my whole childhood. She didn't yeah. care where I was at when I was a teen. Mm. Um, so, you know, I was out partying, drinking, um, starting to take ecstasy, smoke weed. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, actually ended up getting pregnant at the age of 16 by one of her drug dealers. Oh. So, yeah, right. that was a... Uh, my one of my first rough choices that I had to really have hard consequences for yeah and that's a young um, age but by 16 in our world we're an adult because I right. grew up the same way I mean I I knew how to pay bills at 16 right and I was already out of the house for about yeah. a year at that time yeah you, you might as well have been an adult you know because exactly. you well you were one at it was, at that age it's just yeah it, it's it's a tough time it is oh yeah big time and it was for me for sure um I was um bipolar they had diagnosed me at about 12 13 with bipolar disorder that's pretty young um, yeah and at that point I was unmedicated um most okay. of my life I spent unmedicated actually okay um so a lot of my life I spent very unstable and a lot of my decisions came from that unstable place. Absolutely. Um, but I remember my sister have a conversation with me when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and she's like, you know, you have three choices. You can mm -hmm. have an abortion, you can give her up for adoption or you can keep her. Yeah. And, you know, 
for a moment, I, I thought about what her life would be like if I had adopted her. You know, mm-hmm. is that the better choice? What life could I provide at 16 with no income or stable home? Yeah. But I decided to keep her. Okay. Um, and she's 12 now, doing great. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> um, you, know, you know what? Great decision then. Great right. decision. I, I have <laughs> to agree with it, even at even at 16. So good on you. Good on you. Right. Yeah. That kid, man, she, she saved my life. I really don't know yep. where I would be without her. She yep. kept the guardrails on my life for mm-hmm. a very long time. Wow. Um, so I really, I owe a lot to her. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, I really tried to be the parent I never had to her, but I mm-hmm. couldn't really do that. I didn't know how nobody yeah. taught me. So I was, you know, of course, winging it kind of like we all are. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I straightened up for a while, got my GED, Mm -hmm. um, was going to a nursing program. uh, And then I just ended up getting into one bad relationship after another. Um, And as each relationship ended and I got into a new one, each partner that I got with increasingly got worse, more dangerous. The same thing happened with me. Wow, that's... Yeah, it's it's crazy how those mm-hmm. cycles happen and they grow. And, you know, that's kind of what happened with me. I, okay. you know, just kept snowballing into a worse situation year mm-hmm. after year after year. Um, reoccurring problems, but each year they would magnify and get yeah. worse. Um, by 19, I had another child okay. uh, through a one night stand. So I've been on my own with my son since I've had him. He's nine now. Um, And so, you know, I was single for a while. I ended up reconnecting with my youngest son's dad. I have five kids in total. So we we got a few more kids to go here. (laughs) (laughs) Just to let Um, you know what's coming up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Flash forward. Um, But. You know, I I reconnected with my son's dad and I knew him from my teenage party years and I kind of liked him. We ended up getting into a relationship. I got pregnant um, and he just ended up getting more abusive. This was one of my most abusive relationships um, thus far into my life. And so I went through quite a bit through that pregnancy. Um, He tried to strangle me while I was pregnant with our son. Um, So at that point, I'm like, okay, I've never experienced anything like this. I got to get out. And I tried to stay away from him. And of course, you know, he was stalking me and it was a really just dangerous situation. Yes. Um, Well, he ended up getting hemmed up on drug charges because he was also an addict, but he sold drugs. So he got hemmed up and went to prison. So I got away for a while, thankfully. Um. And so I just kept trying to rebuild my life and, you know, I, I would be stable for a while and mm-hmm. get an apartment and be okay. And, you know, by this time I was having trouble coping, especially not having yeah. bipolar meds that were working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I relied heavily on pills. I noticed after, you know, when I had my kids and I got that prescription that I would feel better. I can mm-hmm. take one of those pills and clean my house and keep up with all of these babies that I've had. And yep. eventually it became my way to cope because I had mm. no other way. And of course, as we look back on my childhood, yeah, I was never taught any other way on how it's, to handle exactly life. Uh, it, um, it seemed, it kind of seems like we, we, even at a young age, we will build ourselves up and then it just all crashes down because we don't know how to take the next step we don't until we are taught we are naive to that we think that our life is the only one and we literally believe that we think everybody Mm -hmm. else is living this way too right and i thought you know addiction's not going to happen to me i'm Mm. not going to end up like my mom i'm different and there was nothing any more special about me than there was with my mom. It's all the same with us, especially in our family. You know, my grandpa used to call it the family curse. Mm -hmm. And I never understood that until this round of recovery, because I have, you know, tried to get clean before. Um, 
you know, in that process, I finally got stable, got a home, but I was still using mm-hmm. and I ended up catching a CPS case and okay. I managed to stay sober long enough for about seven months and they closed the case, oh. got my kids home, but yeah. I had lost my kids for about eight months and it kind of straightened me up and it kind of didn't. Um, I don't think I was quite done yet. Yeah. I didn't quite, you know, reach that point of the absolutely willing to do anything point. I think I really had to go to that depth in my addiction to mm-hmm. get the recovery that I have now. I agree. Um, so of course, with that, there came many more years of me using drugs and violent relationships to where I could get to that point. Okay. Um, so um, I was pregnant We'll fast forward a little bit. I was pregnant with my daughter, Anna. This is my last child. Okay. Um, and me and her dad didn't work out. Um, the only thing that we had in common was drugs. And yeah. once that wore off and became really toxic, um, I left. Um, and I ended up connecting with a friend of a friend. She okay. introduced me to this guy. Really mm-hmm. good guy. Has a house single father um Mm. we end up getting together after a few months of talking okay and he's nothing like I've ever experienced before (laughs) um like all around healthy dude like the first thing he presented me with were his boundaries like this is what (laughs) I can tolerate and what I can't and I'm like whoa wow that's right coming from a world of no boundaries I mean my mom was an addict. She had none. She yeah. never taught me any. And we and we never had any structure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I had yeah. no structure, no consistency. And this dude was the living of embodiment of everything I've never had. Yeah. And it was a bit a shock to my system, you know, trying to be in this healthy relationship. And at that point, um, I was still using. Okay. Um, and you know, we stayed together for about a year before we broke up. Um, but, you know, I just couldn't really figure out how to be in this healthy relationship. And a lot of it was me still using too. you know, yeah. I was still doing these toxic things. So, you know, as much as he tried to hold it together, I I was just angry at myself in the world like why did I I finally got a good life a good man picture perfect life and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing you know um and I felt horrible and okay um and again still being unmedicated I just came up with these crazy stories I thought he was cheating on me and he wasn't um just all these crazy feelings and I really think it was just me internally pushing him away because I yeah because we're not used to that we don't know how to have those relationships we need to we need the 12 steps to figure that out first and then we're okay for that stuff amen to that I mean I really do think that you know without my recovery and the things that I've learned in it I couldn't be in this relationship with him because luckily once I got sober again we got back together and worked it out but I'm jumping ahead of myself here um was he the gentleman I saw you with yeah awesome okay cool I just wanted to make sure it works out yeah I'm actually that made my heart very happy (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) you ended up with him that's so cool oh me too I am super blessed that you know he had the patience enough to want to give it one more try that he you know saw past my drug addiction and my mental illness my mental health issues and saw me yeah um and he loves my kids exactly for who they are he is so supportive of each and every one of them you know what? I kudos mean, I, kudos to I him scored. yeah right yeah he's, i he's did too man. i'm very lucky oh i love that that's my favorite in recovery yeah and for us to find those healthy relationships that's that's my absolute when, favorite you know i'm at a point in in my life where i can love people appropriate to the relationship and right. it's, it's been a big game changer for me because now I can love everybody. I don't have to carry around all this crap anymore. And I'm free. Mm. I'm so free. Right. I love that. And that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, 
I've been lucky enough to have so much recovery support and people in my life and just getting this relationship back and then mending mm-hmm. the relationship with my kids. Like I am super lucky. Yeah. Those are miracles. <laughs> those are right? miracles. I'm a fuck. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's why I say that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. One of my favorite words, of course. Um, but yeah, so that was beginning of 2020 is when I left. Okay. And that's kind of when things just went downhill for me. I kind of okay went to hell in a handbasket from that point. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I started using again really bad. Um, when I was with him, I was only using, you know, maybe a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Not every day quite yet. Um, I was on mat treatment, trying to get sober, but couldn't quite get there. Um, but once I left there, all of that went out the window. Um, I ended up wrecking my truck, um, after a night of drinking, completely totaled it. I'm surprised that I walked out of there with minimal injuries. Um, Sometimes I Uh, think that sometimes, because I hear that all the time, Right. I think it's because you're drunk and so your body doesn't react the way that right. it doesn't ridge up i think it's because you were so relaxed oh bam you don't even know what happened i think that's part of the reason why we get out of it so easy right i'd I'd have to agree with you um you know bits of that night is a blur but i yeah i just sense that to be true because if we were tensed up who knows how many yeah. of us would have made it out of there because there was like five of us in the car we all walked away wow um, So yeah, super lucky. Um, And then after that, um, I kept leaving my son with his grandma and his dad. His dad was out of prison at this point. Okay. Um, And I had started um, messing around with Anna's dad again. And at that time he was smoking heroin. And at that point, I just kind of given up on everything. And he's like, here, try this. And so after 10 years of using Oxy, I started using heroin. Yeah, for the first time found your yeah it was no um because i'm i i've never tried um heroin myself but from my understanding it's it's pretty um it's a pretty smooth thing from from oxy to heroin right and well and i personally was terrified of like heroin and fentanyl fentanyl had been out for a while uh-huh. and i'm like nope I don't want to overdose I can't go that far I don't know if I'm going to make it back if I try those things yeah you know so I I was always able at that point to keep it at bay because I was too afraid of um, going I was to the, the... I was the same way because it was driven into my head at a young age that I had an alcohol problem so when it came like um I did there was one point my friends and I started to get into coke and it was a once a month thing mm-hmm. then it turned into every weekend then they show up at my house on a Wednesday night and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. That's addiction. Goodbye. And I never talked to them again Good. because good. I knew, I knew that if I did that, that I was beyond, I already knew I was an alcoholic, let alone, you know, ecstasy would, whoa, no, <laughs> loved it way right. too much. And I, I love that as a teen. And I think that, you know, and especially with my family history, my grandpa was bipolar, uh, okay. my my mom, I'm pretty sure she was bipolar too, but never had a diagnosis. It, but that is with hereditary. All of our, right. And with all of our mental health issues and our addiction issues, like my brain, I was just born hardwired for it, you know? Yeah, and you were. that's what I truly believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, it wasn't a big stretch at that point. You know, I had just given up on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lost a good man, jacked up that relationship, lost my stability, couldn't provide anything for my kids feeling just awful as a mother and as a human Mm -hmm. being and I thought that was the lowest I can feel and of course the only way I knew to cope I decided to go ahead and do black with him and um I'll never forget this night he uh started a fight kind of over nothing okay um we had been fighting all night uh finally we go to sleep in the morning he wakes up goes to work so I thought um, you know, I ended up getting up and going to the bathroom. I'm thinking he's gone. Mm-hmm. I come back into the bedroom and my daughter's gone. And she was only about 10 months old at the time. And I okay. look out the window and he's putting her in the truck of his car and he takes off. 
And I'm like, where are you going with the baby? And he's like, oh, well, we had a, I had a babysitter to help watch her and, you know, making up these excuses and just everything in me told me that I wasn't going to see her again. And I was right. Yeah. My heart dropped most horrible feeling. And, you know, there was nothing that I could do. He wouldn't bring her back. Um, I stayed there for about 12 hours waiting for him to bring her back. And he told me he finally, after texting for 12 hours and arguing, um, he told me, if you don't leave my house, I'm going to call the cops. At that point I had warrants. Oh, so of course I left. Yeah, I was scared of course. To go to jail. Yeah. Um, especially being on black, newly introduced, I was starting to feel sick. Paranoia. Um, yeah. So I left and, um, try to call the police at that point i was her only legal parent he wasn't okay. on a birth certificate okay. nothing like that but the police wouldn't touch it if there's no prior custody orders they're not going to do anything mm-hmm. so i just i gave up from that point um okay. and just kept using and seeing how far i could take it i would keep partying meeting with random dudes and partying and i finally um got in touch with this guy who used to date one of my homegirls. She used to be in love with him. And I felt kind of weird talking to him because they had this relationship, but he was just um, very convincing, very persuasive. One of those Mm. guys. Um, And from that point forward, you know, I, I had went over to see him because he's like, Oh, you're sick. Let me help you out. Just come over. Mm. And so I did. And of course we all know what he wanted and, you know, I, I did some things I'm not proud of for drugs and got what I needed. So I wasn't sick. Um, and this turned into a repeated cycle over the next couple months until finally, um, he got me to move in. Um, things had come to a head with my mom. My mom was like, you know what, you're out here using, you're hardly ever home with your kids. Your kids need you. They miss you. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Priscilla? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't handle life right now. Like, I can't be a human. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. And finally, she kicked me out. So I end up over with, you know, dude in his apartment. And I end up just sitting there in his bedroom closet, smoking fentanyl for the next nine months. Um. I overdose, had to be Narcan. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, kind of a little bit what I shared on Facebook the other day. Um, I had got a phone call from a caseworker saying that my daughter overdosed. Um, so what had happened was Anna was um with her dad, mm-hmm. um, and she got a hold of one of his blue fentanyl pills and ate it. And she had to be Narcan about three times. Yeah. Um and I, when I found that out, I just, I lost it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't be with her. Um, so to know that she went through something like that, and I couldn't be there, yeah. just killed me. Um, and so shortly after that, I ended up overdosing. And that's where the, you know, Narcan saving my life came in. Um, yeah. We're lucky to have huge, Narcan. We right. really are. I am a huge advocate for Narcan. Oh, Try yeah. to get it in. I want it everywhere. I want, I want bouncers and bartenders to fucking learn, um, you know, anywhere, uh, librarians, anybody, everybody needs to be, and everybody should be carrying Narcan because the opiate epidemic is so big. It is bigger than all of us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And what could it hurt to have narcan in as many hands as possible yeah you know just because you don't know somebody in addiction right just because you don't know somebody in addiction doesn't mean that you're not going to run across somebody that's you know you you might see somebody never know yeah you might be walking down the street see somebody going to a seizure right use your narcan it ain't gonna hurt but it'll help Exactly, because you never know what that's coming from. You know, it could yeah. very well be an overdose. Yeah. And it's just better to be safe than sorry with that. Um, so you just had your overdoses. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt the story there. No, that was you're kind totally of important. fine. I'm um. passionate about Narcan, so I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, so um, you, yeah, you just had your yeah. overdoses. So I had my overdoses and, you know, 
then I had gotten a call from uh, Adams County CPS stating that they found my son in a car full of drugs and guns um, and that his father left him there alone in that car for a substantial amount of time and that wow. he was placed in foster care. Yeah. And so that was really the cherry on top. Okay. And, you know, after multiple times of trying to overdose and just kind of be done with my life. I get it. And thankfully not succeeding at that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to do something. So I yep. I tried to stop using. And of course, yeah, just going from fentanyl to absolutely nothing. Yeah, I got so was, sick. Yeah, and I ended up very, taping. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't make it then. Um, well, and that was probably about end of October around Halloween. Okay. Um, and um, Thanksgiving. I was getting ready, you know, we were supposed to do something for the dude's mom that I was staying with. It was their first year together after he's been in prison for so many years. Okay. So I was trying to make it special for him. Well, he just freaks out out of nowhere. He's saying I'm taking too long. I can't really remember exactly what he was saying, but he was pissed and yelling. Um, Then I see a gun come out and I start freaking out yeah. and he's just like, get out, get out. So I'm like, Oh, fuck this. You know, I get what I can and I leave. Yeah. Thankfully my sister picked me up. I okay. called my mom and she sent my sister and my sister came and got me and took me to my mom's. Um, and I remember sitting with my mom on her bed and she's just like, Priscilla, how much more do you think you can take? Yeah. Like, you you have to seriously do something now or you're going to lose your kids or you're mm. going to die. Yeah. Something is going to happen and you're not going to be able to fix it. Correct. Um, and just kept hammering the fact into me that I have to do something that, mm-hmm. you know, she can't do it, that I have to do it. And if I don't, something bad's coming unexplainably bad. Um, And so I I decided, okay, enough's enough. I can't, I don't know anywhere else to get blues. He was my only source. I can't go back there. Like it really seemed like the end of the road for me. Um, So I was like, I know I'm going to be deathly ill and Mm -hmm. I'm scared to be out while in that state. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it was Thanksgiving night um, and no beds were open. We had no time to get me into any treatment facility. So I ended up going to um, Lutheran ER. Um, and right before I got there, I decided to pop uh, a Suboxone. Okay. So I get into the ER and all of a sudden perpetual withdrawals hit me because of the naloxone yeah. in it. And oh, oh my God, let me tell you, that was awful. Um I don't remember all of it. I remember flashes. Um, my sister said I was basically in a psychosis. I was yelling mm-hmm. at people that wasn't there. Yeah. I just remember feeling like I was being electrocuted from the inside out. Yeah. Like it was oh. just awful. What a um, horrible, horrible feeling. Wow. Right. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Uh-uh. And to know that people are still going through this breaks my heart. That's why I'm a big advocate for Matt because I know if it wasn't for Suboxone, I wouldn't have made it here. Like, thank God. It took about three days for the subs to start working okay. um, for my system to adjust from all the fentanyl I was doing sure. down to the Suboxone. Um, but it finally adjusted and I started to, you know, come out of the haze. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, I'm kind of jumping ahead. Um, I got out of the ER after about 18 hours. Um, that's about as long as they can hold me. And so Mm -hmm. my mom and my sister came and picked me up, took me back to my mom's and my mom coached me through this awful detox, helped me help bathe me because I couldn't even take a shower by myself. Um, and I just remember her kept saying, um, you know, you got to save yourself. You got to do this. So uh, your kids need you, your kids need you. And I just remember flashes, Mm -hmm. you know, it was real strange of her just kind of coaching me. I I understand. I don't remember much of my first three months of sobriety. So I hear you. Good. I'm not the only, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I don't remember. I have to ask my wife, you know, 
Right. Well, I stopped counting my days. I just stopped because I was so tired of rewriting it in my big book. You know, right. That I just, I stopped and I asked my wife to memorize it for me because I felt like it was just a setup, you know? I'm like, right. well, if time doesn't matter, then I, I shouldn't worry about it. Right. I like that. Yeah. It's at first I counted the days, you know, but not too much anymore. Every once in a while I'll check and oh, cool. Oh, that's what yeah. In the beginning, right it's, it's hard not to. Yeah. Yeah, it can be triggering sometimes, though, because it was definitely a little bit triggering for me. But at the same time, like, I'm like, okay, if I can make it this far, I can mm -hmm. make it another hour or another 24. Yeah, so it's it, it's the people that chronically relapse at 30 days, 45 days, usually on a, and you'll hear that all the time. And what I recommend to them is uh, get rid of that app on your phone that's counting your days, first of all, and stop counting. Stop. Right. Ask somebody else Just to win. memorize it for you. I didn't even memorize right. the date. And when I was two years sober, I asked her when my sobriety date was. I love that. <laughs> See, and I think that's awesome to just go through that way. You know, of course, mine, for some reason, it's just kind of seared into my brain. I don't know if yeah. it's because it was Thanksgiving or, you know, the situation. But yeah, probably that, a mixture that, you know, of several different factors yeah that's what i'm assuming yeah because um, i bet you would but, still remember it even if it wasn't thanksgiving yeah that's true especially with everything that was kind of just surrounding that moment you know yeah. all those feelings i had been numbing for so long and then everything just came rushing in at once mm -hmm. you know it's because um, it was the holidays that's what happens that happens to us we right. we will relive trauma that's why we find it hard to go see our our you know moms and dads and and stuff you know um but if you have a good enough reason to be there go for it man go for it right well and i'm definitely like anything that i go into especially with family uh-huh i have a plan yeah. you know and i have an exit strategy that way if it becomes way too much i can get the hell out of there because sometimes yeah you know, I just got to go. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. If I, if I'm uncomfortable or I can't handle it, or if it feels unsafe to me and my body and my body's telling me we got to go, then we yep, got to go. Then we got to go. Yeah. Yep. And you know, we got, we got to listen to our, I, 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 it sounds like I'm two years old, but I listen to my tummy, man. My intuition, right. that's where your yeah. intuition is. And it still yeah. works. I'll be like, do I want to go do that? Oh, bad gut feeling. That's a bad thing. It, right and it still works you know so whenever i ask myself a question i go to my stomach first and if i get I dopamine from it i do it right i love that and it, i mean every time that i have not listened to my gut i've paid for it in yeah. some way shape or form i've paid for it yeah. so it's those like, are your no, morals man right yeah. intuition is and that's morals. really like learning that in recovery really taught me my boundaries, what my uh -huh. boundaries needed to be, listening to how it felt in my stomach. Like, is this something that I need to put up a boundary around? And my body would tell me what was good and what wasn't. Yeah. And I just had to learn how to trust that. And I'm still learning to this day. That's, but yeah. yeah, definitely a huge piece of my recovery mm -hmm. for sure. That's awesome. Um. But yeah, so she coached me through this detox. Um, you know, it was awful. Um, I ended up going to my older sister's house a couple days after because my mom was really sick and she okay. wasn't feeling good and it was a lot having me there. Sure. So I went to my sister's house for about a week to kind of finish recouping, getting in a different environment. Um, and from there, that's when I reconnected with Terrell the okay. healthy relationship that I was yeah. with before and you know he's like are you really done this time like you know look at you dude you're you're not good because uh, mm -hmm. when I came home I was about 98 pounds uh mm. my kidneys were failing I had yep. double pneumonia I had an yep. infection in my face like look I look like the walking dead practically mm -hmm. yeah. um so of course he, he commented on that and he's like, Hey, you done yet kid? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it really, you know, those, those moments just really 
hit me right in the gut. And I'm like, you know what? I I have to be done with this. I have mm-hmm. to. Um, and so, you know, we talk through it and I let him know, like, I'm done. I have to do whatever it takes to recover or I'm going to die. Yeah. I can feel it. Yeah. Um, I can't really explain that feeling either. It's so strange, but I can mm-hmm. just feel it. I knew that if I kept going, that I wouldn't be here anymore. Ah, the psychic um, change. Yay. Right. Yep. And I think that's exactly what happened in that moment. I finally got to the depth of my own personal hell to where mm-hmm. I would finally get to that willingness point that everyone talks about. Got it. Yep. To change. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to go to that extreme to get to that willingness. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put us on a pause real quick. Yep. We'll be back to the show. One second, folks. All right. We are back. Dion had to take care of something. I didn't want it to interrupt. So we're going to get back to Priscilla here. Thank you for letting us take care of that even though it was like five seconds in your time. All right, you're back up. Alrighty, so let's see. We're probably about, um, oh yeah, I was talking about Terrell. Uh, yes. So yeah, me and Terrell rekindled. Uh, and after, you know, a, about a week of him coming over and talking to me consistently, um, he decided to ask me if I want to come back home. And mm-hmm. of course I was like, yes hell yeah yeah um and so at that point i only had my oldest two children okay um and so me and my oldest two moved back in and from that point on i rebuilt my life and that's where my recovery started wow um you know for the next couple weeks i was absolutely just miserable trying to put myself back together living without my youngest two kids going through yet another cps case yep um and uh that's when i called or no i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself Um, (laughs) three weeks into my recovery my mom had overdosed Um, okay so we you know showed up there and you know my dad and my mom and, and my aunt were all partying and my mom decided to use after i think about 12 years of recovery yeah um and so it was a bit of a, a shock to us, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I kind of felt like it was coming. Okay. Um, she, you know, was really depressed and really, really sick. And she had been for a really long time. So the signs um, were there, huh? Yeah, exactly. The signs were there. Um, okay. You know, she definitely mentally relapsed before she physically relapsed. Oh, yeah. And the signs were definitely there. I just didn't have the skills at that point in time. Or the no with all to even recognize any of those. Mm-hmm. Now I do, thank God. But at that point, I didn't. Um, so unfortunately, we lost her. And I knew that day as they carried her out of the house, just everything in me, that it was that God moment. God was telling me, if you keep doing, if you use again, this is going to be Marilyn. That's you. This is going to be Anna. Yeah. That's you. That's and you that's and you. everybody following you. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. It is. And it was just such a, a profound moment in time. Like it just gives me chills talking about it. Yeah. Um, I'm just so grateful for that moment because that's, you know, the times that I'm most triggered or having the hardest times, that's what I remember. Yeah. That's what helped change my thinking into chasing my recovery as hard as I chased my addiction. Yeah. That's what got me my recovery that mm-hmm. first day. Um, so I'm, I'm glad for that moment, even as shitty as it was, it, I knew it. it was a yeah. sign. It was a sign from God that it's time to break the generational curse. Yeah, exactly. I That's what that. he was telling you. I had been taking my mom's pills for years. We had did pills together. So I really sure. don't think my recovery would be what it is today if she was still alive and i kind of feel like in a way she was sacrificed for my recovery so to speak you know but you never know god I just god does what god does the way it had to yeah yeah i agree god with did you it exactly the way he had to and that's just what it is and i've had to learn to accept that you know mm-hmm. um, but that's you know the foundation that i built my recovery on um, yeah so i knew at that point that i had to create a life that I was actually happy in that I could tolerate because if I didn't, that's where I would end up. Yep. Um, 
So I was about 90 days in recovery and I was fucking miserable. Okay. Um, absolutely miserable. So right on track. <laughs> right, right. And so I reached out to the Hornbuckles. The Hornbuckles okay. have known my family forever. My mom actually used to use with Michael's dad. Oh, um, really? Wow. Yeah, so they're, they were close. And my mom adored Michael and adored everything that he was doing over there um, as they do. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to call him and I'm like, Hey, I need help. I need coaching. Like any way you can help me. I'm just at 90 days and I'm miserable. And I know this is not it. Mm -hmm. I know this isn't it. This can't be it. Cause if this is it, mm -hmm. I'm fucked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I was blessed enough to be paired with Lexi. And so yep. Lexi coached me <laughs> through the first year and eight mm -hmm. months of my recovery. And I am so fucking blessed for that. Um, I love Lexi. But she I love her. Me, right? <laughs> me too. She's the best. Um, she helped me through the process of getting on mental health meds. Um, now, I had been a guinea pig before, trying all kinds of different meds for my bipolar. Nothing worked. Um, but she helped me figure out what I needed to do to get on medication. And so okay. I ended up going into aurora mental health and i stayed mm -hmm. there for about five days and they got mm -hmm. me on um a set of medication that worked yep. really well um and i've been stable for two years now wow yeah on meds so I, i'm really really blessed for that one um but yeah you know i did that stay at aurora mental health and mm -hmm. everything's just been getting better one day at a time from that day um that's awesome I, um Bought the CPS case, did everything that they needed me to, and yep. I got my son back. Woo. They closed the case. Yep. Um, they were actually trying to adopt him out, and I hit him with my recovery, and they were like, "Oh, never mind. Here's your son." Yeah. Um, well, they'd much rather give give him back. They really would. Right. Yeah, and so I got him back about eight months after, um, and both my babies came home the same week. Um, oh. So I had started a court case for Anna because I had okay. to do that through custody case. It wasn't through CPS. Okay. So I filed the paperwork, got that going. And that call from the judge that we had the our court date with mm -hmm. me and her dad for the, for everything that's happened, basically, Yeah. Um, was such a freaking amazing phone call. I can't even find the words to describe it um, uh, she was like she told him you mean to tell me she's been 10 minutes away from her mom for the past 18 months and you have not let her see her and he just he didn't have any answer and of course she ended up making him drop her off right after we got off the, yeah with the phone call of course yeah so after 18 months of not seeing my baby girl she finally came home and mm -hmm. i mean it was just such a powerful day and it was everything that I was working towards. Yeah. It still fills me up with joy just thinking mm. about it. And from that day forward, she's been home with me. Yeah. Um, of course she still sees her dad. Um, about well, of course. Each, yeah. But you know, it, we've come a long way. For yeah. sure. But now um, it's being done right, you know, and, right. and she's getting consistency and that's what matters. Exactly. And that's, you know, another thing that my recovery has given me, it's allowed me to be consistent. And now we can offer that to her. And I was kind of worried about her dad because he was using um, okay. at the beginning of our court case, but then he ended up going to jail and he's been clean for about five, five months now, I believe. Well, good for so him. Now, right. And because now we're, we're living proof like, that people can change. Oh we really are. And I think we need to pass that on. To the people in our lives good on you good on you that's called pay it forward and that's the ultimate way love it right right and i mean so it's it's awesome to see him sober and co-parent with him now and be able to do that because before it was just animosity of what he had done mm -hmm. um and yeah so it, it's been a long road but I, i'm just really grateful to be here um and lexi she had introduced me to gladiator group that's how i got into hard beauty um, oh okay i i needed something to do you know yeah. as you know once you get into recovery you kind of don't really have anything to do and it is so yeah 
I started showing up to their meetings one after another. And I, I just was so drawn to their group. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, after every meeting, I noticed I felt fulfilled and I was happy and I felt connected with these women. Mm. And so I just started joining every group I could and I built yeah. my recovery around it. And they, you know, helped me recover for my yeah. first year in recovery. And they still do. I still go to these groups. I actually Absolutely. run one of them now. I'm super <laughs> that's lucky. what we, that's what we do though, is, you know, we grow up and then we, and then we pass it on. You can't keep it unless you give it away. Right. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do is just pass it on as much as I can, you know, mm -hmm. get my story out there, talk with others. I am so blessed to do what I do now. You know, um, I, I get to coach other people and help yeah. them find their recovery. You mm -hmm. know? Of course, they got to be willing and ready, but I get to walk alongside people and mm -hmm. watch them grow and you know, have their own epiphanies and own um, reflections in recovery and watch them grow into these amazing people mm -hmm. and there, create the life that they want. There's nothing better than being a guide. And um, my, uh, my sponsee, uh, he's coming up on a year. And uh, I was scrolling through Facebook uh, the other day. And he's having such a good time with his friends. And he came from such a, a year ago. It was horrible. I mean, he was on death's door. And just to see him out there having fun with his friends, so genuinely fun and sober, it made me cry, man. Because, you know, yeah. Yeah, he feels like my, you know, he's younger than me. So he feels like my kid or whatever. I'm kind of old. Right. Just kind of, <laughs> not old, old. But. So what kind of, so you, you're a uh, recovery coach for hard beauty then, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they had watched me recover and at my year in recovery, mm -hmm. um, the horn buckles and hard beauty collaborated and they, um, decided to pay for my coaching certificate because they heard I wanted to do coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, Lexi was like, Hey, you know, you'd be a good coach. And I was like, you think so? Yep. So I started thinking agree. about it, thinking about schools. Mm -hmm. and they just surprised me with it and was like, here's a scholarship kid. Here you go. Yeah. Let's see what you can do. And it's been history ever since, you know, all I can do now is just keep showing up. That's yeah. what I keep doing. I just keep showing up to these things, keep showing up for my clients to these recovery yeah. events and just, being me and showing what recovery can look like. You yeah. Know, um, my path has been very different from every, from a lot of other people's. Sure. You know, I've used Matt. Um, I have five kids. Um, my story is also very relatable. So I mm -hmm. just try to show up and be as me as I can possibly be. So that way, you know, hopefully I can be a light to somebody else who's sitting yeah. there in that dark place. Yeah. That's we all can, I can hope for. You know, recovery is where bullshit dies and loneliness vanishes. And there's nothing like walking in a group and feeling home. You know, right. and anybody that's listening that's an addict or an alcoholic is going to understand exactly what we're saying. We don't even need to describe it. But when we talk about loneliness, we're talking the pit of your fucking stomach just turning in itself inside out. Okay. That's just the beginning. That's just a start. From there, I can't describe it. It's just horrible. And right. thank God, thank God, there's a way out. Thank God, man. Um, right. I I I tend to believe because I don't see any other reason that I would have searched for a higher power unless I was an alcoholic. So being an alcoholic, I I also come to the realization that you know maybe God did this so I would seek Him. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thought process, which, you know, even if I'm wrong, I'd rather die and find out I'm wrong. And, <laughs> you know, right. exactly. I mean, I'm just so grateful that, you know, I've been able to find God in my recovery and the community that he's given me, you know, I have a team of women. Well, not <laughs> even just women. Now we got men too. Mm -hmm. Um, I have just a beautiful group of amazing people who will show up for me. I've got yeah. my husband and my kids back. Like 
I couldn't have asked for a better life. And even on my hardest days in recovery, I remember where I was at oh, yeah. in that closet, smoking fentanyl by myself, missing my kids, missing my husband, yep. just missing the life that I have now. And it puts me right back into gratitude. That's what that's fantastic. Me. You know, we come from the trash heap of life and our stories turn to gold. And oh, yeah, I think is. that's the miracle of it. You know, the 12 steps helped me find out who I was. And now I'm just that person unapologetically. Um, because that the person doesn't need to apologize for who he is. Um, because I learned how to love me. I had to learn how to love myself. And being a man, that, that took me a little while. But I got there. Now I love everybody. I love everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And it's just crazy how, you know, recovery opens up our hearts like that. You know, mm -hmm. I, when I helped people in the past, it was only because it was driven by it, something else. Like I was going to get something out yeah. of them or they were going to do something for me. Mm -hmm. It was never from a pure place. And now I can help people from my heart and soul because that's I feel what God's put me here to do. Yeah. Not because I'm gonna get something out of them. Yeah. And it's just so awesome being uh, on this side of the fence. And and the thing is, is we do I get we get the benefits are tenfold. Every time I help somebody, I get it back tenfold. And because I don't expect it, it's always a nice surprise. Um, and I would rather go that route anyway, because I think only God can really determine your worth. I don't think I I should even do that because I will sell myself short. And mm -hmm. um, and that's not what the world needs anymore. They don't need people selling themselves short. They need leaders saying, hey, this is what we do. Even when we're wrong, we still stand up and say, hey, I was wrong. That's okay. Nothing wrong with right. that. And I, I love the fact that, you know, now we can be more aware of our mistakes and, you know, say, hey, I'm sorry this is what I'm going to do to correct it instead of, you know, kind of just sweeping it under the rug, we can be accountable now. That's mm -hmm. probably one of my, my favorite tools I like to use in my recovery now is that accountability piece. Love That's it. what keeps me up mm -hmm. and doing what I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, I love accountability so much that I have five accountability buddies. That's what I call <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because accountability oh is so huge. In fact, I was going to bring that up because when you were with uh, Tyrell, was Terrell. that his name? Yeah. Okay, Tyrell. Um, you had said, okay, because I noticed something. You said that you were down to like two to three times a week because he was keeping you accountable. Mm -hmm. well, because every time he's... I would get high, he would walk in and be, <laughs> he would just shake his head at me. So I'm like, because he knew and he would tell me, you know, you're so much better than this. Yeah, you he could see it. so much more than this. He yeah. could see it and he believed in me long before I ever did. Yeah. So, you know, I am truly, truly grateful to have that man by my side. And for the fact that he stuck it out, Yeah. you know, um, even after I left him and caused all kinds of drama and shit, he still, you know, was like willing to open up his mm. heart and his home to let me come back. And thank God he did because who knows where I would be now, especially with four kids. I, well, you know, and, I, I, I really like talking about this because my wife did the same thing um, with me. And it was just encouragement as much as she could, right? Um, she was my high school sweetheart. So she knew me when I got sober the first time when I was 18. And she would tell me, Dion, I know what you're like. And I'm going to continue to love you until you decide to do that. Because I know the sober Dion. And I know that they say, and, and, and of course, this is my opinion. But I think that you can get sober for any reason. You're going to do recovery for yourself. But the reason that you got sober, I don't, if it has depth and weight, that's all that matters. I got sober for my wife and kids. I couldn't do it for me. I didn't love me. I wanted me dead. I had no respect mm -hmm. for me. And so I had to use that. And that kept me accountable. It did. Right. Because people were like, sure, you die for your kids, but would you get well for them? That's the one that hurt. Yep. That was the one that hurt. That one got me too. Yep. yep. It's like, oh, maybe dying isn't the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. 
yeah, very true. I think living is definitely a greater sacrifice than, you know, taking the easy way out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, I try to be more trauma-informed, so I don't like saying taking the easy way out, but that's how I felt in that moment. Sure, sure. Yeah, and it's funny how our verbiage starts to change, you know. I doubt you talked this way two years ago. (laughs) Oh, no, definitely not. (laughs) Terrible. You'll be like, Matt, what's that? I don't know, Matt. Who's that guy? You know? Right, right. <laughs> Who's this Matt with one T? Where I did he's all around. <laughs> he's everywhere. <laughs> he is. Um, that's actually something I need to educate myself on a little bit better is is Matt. Um I was I loved my alcohol. So um, you know, that's kind of the course that I know. Um do you have any words of wisdom or anything that you'd like to say as we uh wrap this up? Um, the one thing that sticks out for me is you have to chase your recovery as hard as you have chased your addiction. Oh, Hallelujah. my headphone fell out here. There we go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you have to chase your recovery as hard as you chased your addiction. Yeah. Um, to me, I feel a pro, you know, it took us a lot of practice. It took mm-hmm. us, you know, so many tries to get really developed in our addiction habits it's going to take us just as much if not more the same amount of work and practice in recovery to get it right Mm. and and that includes slips and relapses exactly and you know every journey is unique and your journey is valid no matter what that looks like thank you every i'm a true believer that everybody's story needs to be told because Yes. When we share our experience, we provide hope. We are no longer dope dealers. We are hope dealers. We are walking, yes. breathing, living, reborn miracles. Right? And mm-hmm. even though uh, you're on your meds for bipolar, I mean, it says in the big book, right? There are some of us that have mental things, but if we have the capacity to be honest, you can live a normal life. And Priscilla and I are living examples of that, that we live a very balanced life that includes family, it includes our friends, it includes alone time, it includes our AA, it might be celebrate recovery, you know, whatever path you have chosen, go for it, just do it, Tack, tackle that motherfucker, just do it. I mean, uh, wait a minute, I was thinking of the Broncos defense. Um <laughs> bad joke <laughs> um and that's fantastic thank you very much that was great yeah so all right well priscilla it was this was great i had a lot of fun talking with you and i'm looking forward to um doing good work so priscilla and i have been talking and she's going to come do come follow me around a little bit at detox see if it's something she wants to do but i have a feeling she's going to be uh involved with a lot of our outreach um, I have recently uh, been talking to Frankie over at Hard Beauty, and we're working on some outreach stuff. So um, you will be seeing all of us out there with our shirts on and having fun. Um, I actually have an event place at Aurora Mental Health. Let me use now. Oh, wow. And I don't know that, the, and I don't think they'll charge me for it. So we can hold events all the time now. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, I want to have a dance. going to come of it. I want to have a sock hop. Me and Raquel were talking about that too. We really wanted to plan something, some yeah. sort of dance party. Or Why maybe a 70s disco. Party? We used to have them once a month. Oh, yeah. I would love yeah. that. You know, I'm in it. Okay. I, I will totally Let's be do there. it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll just go uh, take over Sober Underground or something. <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Thank you very much for taking your time. Um, and coming on here and sharing your story is very important. And I, I, I appreciate you taking your time. It was my pleasure being here, Dion. I really appreciate you having me on as a guest and just giving me this opportunity. Like you said, all of our stories are important and I'm just glad I got to share mine and I'm excited to hear everyone else's that you continue to record. Um, just thank you. Um, and it's my pleasure. Yeah. And you know, as we sign off, I think that's a great thing because 
you know, this is a we program, you know, and even in this podcast, everybody had their, their uh, assigned tasks. Um, and the thing is, it becomes a we thing. And I would like to reiterate a couple of things. Number one, don't do this alone. You don't have to do it alone. You can call me or Priscilla. We'll help you. If you're a male, call me. If you're female, call Priscilla. Okay. You'll be able to get that information in the post. Um, I'll make sure that they can find you uh, probably through Facebook. So I'll probably tag your name. The other thing I'd like to kind of remind everybody of is that this is a day at a time program. And then no matter what you're going through, good, bad, or indifferent, this too shall pass. My name is Dion. This has been a Raw Recovery Trudging Together podcast. I love you. Peace out and have a day.